2: Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to bring you the best moments of our Super Bowl 52 coverage from Radio Row in Minneapolis. So now let's take you to Minnesota. Pleased to be joined by Super Bowl champion Golden Tate of the Lions, who joins us on behalf of Hershey's Gold. This is Corporate Synergy, and we'll get there in a moment. Good to see you. What do you know about the man who's about to become your
3: head coach, Matt Patricia, who's going to leave the Patriots after the Super Bowl? Well, I don't know. I don't know much, but I can I can state two things. One, the man has a great beard. He does. Regal. Impressive. Um, Two, um, just about every year he's playing in the AFC Championship or the Super Bowl. And that's what I want to be doing. But on in 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 NFC. So that's what I'm expecting from him. Um, I think we have an incredible foundation as far as like the ownership, the GM, uh, you know, uh, some really, really good, solid players uh, like like Stafford and Slay and Glover and myself, Marvin, Ebron. And so we just want to – we need to just be a little bit better. That's all we need. We're right there. I mean, we're, we're, we're winning games. You know, we've won nine, nine, nine more games there since I've been here. We're right there close to the title. We just need to turn it over a little bit.
1: Goldie, you've gotten 90-plus uh, receptions uh, from Matthew Stafford since you stepped there and into Detroit. But one thing you guys have lacked – is a running game to help that balance to allow your plays that are given to you to be a little bit more efficient. You maybe get the yards after the catch because you, you get those one-on-one coverages. you win in the majority of the time, mm-hmm. uh, if not every time. Uh, what would that do to you guys' as offense if you can find a, a running back that can consistently show up week in and week out to give you not necessarily 100 yards a game, but give you anywhere from about 80 to 90 yards just to keep you guys ahead of down the distance?
3: You know, I, I, I wouldn't even blame the running backs. I, I really like the running backs we have. They're strong. They're powerful. They're fast. Um, it, and I, I really don't even have the answer why the running game hasn't been clicking. I mean, when I look around, we have players all over the field. We just need to be, as 11 men, we need to be a little bit better. Um, and and I, I trust that Bob Quinn's going to bring in some some pieces to help us offensively run the ball a little bit better, no matter what that may be. I don't know if that's linemen, running backs, fullback, I don't know what it is. But um, if we can get to the 80, 90, 80 to 90, 100-yard game on the, on the ground, that's going to make everybody's job easier. And we're going to win more games because you're going to be able to chew up clock. You're going to be able to, execute the play action pass so much more that's going to clear it up for Stafford uh we won't be as predictable and, you're, and, and yourself as well running routes. right right I'll get more one-on-ones uh, you have more safeties down in the box it, it makes everybody uh better so I, I'm rooting for it and I think that's that's what we're missing to take the Detroit Lions over the top and be you know uh, owning our division uh, year in and year out for whatever reason, Lions have not had a 100-yard rusher dating back to Reggie
2: Bush on Thanksgiving Day in 2013. Crazy. It's been a minute, so you're overdue. Chatting with Lions receiver Golden Tate, he joins us courtesy of Hershey's Gold. We know so much of the analysis in a football conversation is going to come down to quarterback play, and I'm not expecting you to say Matthew Stafford does not deserve more credit, but how come we don't talk more about your quarterback? You look at his numbers, he's right there with all the other premier starters around the league.
3: Um. You know, in Detroit, I mean,
2: it's a major city. You're not in Siberia.
3: Yeah, yeah, you're right. But no one's really, really respects Detroit, I feel like. And and you see it every single year. And and but I also think that's just Stafford's personality. He didn't he didn't want any attention. He just wants to fly under the radar. Don't say nothing to him. Just let me go out there and play play football and have a good time and just just love doing it that's just that's just him he doesn't need the cameras and, and all that stuff and so i think it's that that's partially it but the guy definitely deserves more respect um when, when things are going bad it's always going to be on the quarterback stafford and when things are great it's you know it's going to be on stafford so it's kind of unfair, but, uh, I mean, the guy's been performing since he's been in, in the league. I mean, he's putting up Hall of Fame numbers in my mind. I mean, yeah. he's throwing for 4,000, 5,000 yards had every single conversation year. conversation
2: the other day, so we're going to find out the new Hall of Fame class on Saturday. If you look at his stats, Matthew Stafford's on his
3: way to the Hall of Fame. I mean, so that's one thing we did this year is we did milestones every s- Friday, every Friday morning, Coach Caldwell will put up the milestones for, you know, what you achieved last week and because it's a big deal. I mean, guys, you know, reached their 100th game or in Stafford, he had paragraphs and you know, first guy to reach this record under 30, first guy to throw for this many yards every single week, he has something up there. And I mean, we can't, we can't take that for granted. Having a good quarterback is hard to find in this league. You might find a quarterback that can throw the ball, you know, a mile, but a lot of these quarterbacks don't have the mental capacity to go out there and execute and see these openings, and Matthew Stafford has it all. He's, he's complete. I mean, if you put Matthew Stafford, you know, if you take away since I've been there, if you put him on a different team, I, I think you're probably talking about him a little bit more. And it's unfortunate to say that, but it, that, that's the truth.
2: Well, well I, we know I, the reality. The Lions haven't won their division since 1993. They haven't won a playoff game since 1991. There you go.
3: Well,
1: let's put it in perspective. Then you also have number 12, that guy in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. I mean, he plays— good football and has his team in position to win that division somewhat every year uh, that he's in it. But Matthew Stafford numbers, I mean you talked about his numbers. In 2011 he threw for 5,000 yards. Ever since then he's putting up over 4,200 yards passing. And so again I think it's somewhat especially, you know, we start doing our power rankings during the year and you start trying to figure out which team is, is the team that can actually be there in the end. And I think majority of the time while we're watching the Detroit Lions play they play great all year round. I mean, offensively, especially. But when it matters most, like towards the latter part of the season to determine their fate, winning the division, getting into the postseason, that's when it seems like everything start falling apart. So when you start mentioning the relevance of a Matthew Stafford, I think, in his case, it's about winning games, the games in which he wins, in the time in which he wins them, and what does it do for him for this team to get him to the next level? But in the, from individual accolade standpoint. I mean, his numbers are second to none, truthfully, at the end of the day. What do you think it's going to take for you guys to get him or even your team the relevance that it deserves because you have the talent and you're
3: getting it done every week? No, no question. We definitely have the talent. We, we, and that's, we understand that. But, but let's also break this down. Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers, they had Brett Favre. I mean, legendary Hall of Fame quarterback. Green Bay Packers have been good for a while, and they had Brett Favre, and they were good then, Okay. Brett, Brett Favre taught Aaron a lot. Yes, he did. Aaron, Aaron came into a great situation, to be honest. That's what caused he had, him to win that championship. He that had great – he had good players. He had a good system. He had great ownership. He had great GMs. He came into a, re, a very good situation. And Aaron Rodgers is, is is a great quarterback as well. He's a top-five quarterback as well. But the situation that we deal with, that we, we're seeing when you compare Matt and Aaron, it's, it's totally different. It's
1: Totally different. Last Which week, means his road travel is tougher, but he's playing even better football from a quarterback standpoint. And what he does, he's playing about as good, if not better.
3: I, absolutely. I, I agree. And I, I have so much respect for Aaron Rodgers, and I don't want to take anything he's done away. I love what he's doing, what he's done in that organization. But you also got to look at uh, the other other details. You know, as far as I'm concerned, Matthew Stafford since in high school has been just been absolutely crushing it. But
1: here's, the, here's a good question because we have a tendency sometimes – you know, when you start talking about greatness, what's the follow-up? T- championships. Okay? Exactly. So yeah. most will have the conversation, and when it comes to greatness, they will say, who's the best quarterbacks? There's only two talk about, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. But when you talk about the body of work over time with less – I mean, Tom Brady, you can kind of say he started off with a little less because of how he's gotten his opportunity. Drew Bledsoe gets hurt. Coach goes back and forth trying to figure out who's the guy. For you know what? He goes in, he stays in. There's a dynasty. Aaron Rodgers, he gets, I guess you could say, the, the leftovers, so to speak, of what Brett Favre had. They win Which was pretty good. Which was is, which, which is pretty good. But you look at Matthew Stafford, he didn't have none of that.
3: Yeah, yeah, Megatron. And as much as you want to say, but let's be real. Not bad. But, let's, the the but, let's be, but let's be real.
1: he's got better since Megatron has been gone. Well, no,
2: Let's not say for, better.
1: Well, no, because the, he's, the offense
2: has become more diverse. Well, if well, you like. I'll, I'll well, say that's, that. But yeah. that's
1: better for the quarterback because you don't have to rely on one guy. So the interception yeah. goes down, your options and the things you do on the football field. Because being a quarterback. I don't want to have to just throw it to one guy. I love yeah. having Megatron, absolutely, but I would love to have also maybe three or four guys to wear. Like a who right plays, here with us, right? We could call place hey. and be as as you know, we can we can share the love a little bit.
3: Yeah, I, I will say since um, Calvin's left, um, Stafford's knowledge of the game has just skyrocketed. So he's gotten better. He, he's definitely gotten better athletically. He's always been there, um, but right now his his. Staver's vision is, is incredible. I mean the way he the guy can throw the throw the ball sidearm over the top. He can probably put it in his left hand and throw it as well. I mean he, he's fantastic there, but his knowledge of defenses and understanding the offense. And let's let's also talk about another thing. Since stafford has been in the in the league, he's dealt with how many offensive coordinators, how many different offenses. I don't care how you want to put it. That that learning curve, it's hard to learn a different offense every two years. It's hard enough to learn one in three years. So, I mean, there's so much responsibility that's on the quarterback's shoulders. Learning the material, figuring out how to gel with the guys, figuring out what guys do well. And not having a running game. Uh, Yeah, also trying to make sure I don't get blasted from the blind side. (laughs) There is so much weight on the quarterback's shoulders, so, man— to me, my staff are president. You got a great president. one. You have a, you have
2: a great one. Golden performance, one. which gets us to the greatness of Hershey's gold. Oh, yeah. Too bad it's not a TV show because yeah. you were styling a profile. I Thank love you. the jersey. What do
3: we need to know about Hershey's gold? Look, we got a great deal here. We got Golden Tate here, okay? We got Hershey gold here, and we got the Winter Olympics here. And, and, and what I'm going to say with that is I'm expecting America to dominate. And every time America wins a gold medal, Hershey will be releasing a promotional code via uh, through their social medias and websites and, and whatnot. If you get that code er- early enough, you will receive a free Hershey gold bar. Woo. Now, this is a full size bar, not the ones that you get on Halloween. That's you know <laughs> a couple uh, chews no and it's to done. The You're real get McCoy. the full real deal. And, and and as we know, Hershey's been around for a hundred years, a little little more than hundred years. And this is only the fourth flavor that they've ever released. I mean, so the product is is great. I mean, I, I still make s'mores. And quite an honor to name it after you. It's uh, yeah, good. it's a huge honor. You got the I'm, I'm, jersey on? You know, it's about time Gold. My name started doing something for me. Mm. <laughs> Jeez.
2: You have a golden disposition, and we appreciate
0: you joining us on the NFL on TuneIn. Thank you. I enjoyed it. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this.
2: Let's say all you want to do is listen to TuneIn live from Radio Row, but all you hear is noise with Bose QC35 wireless headphones too. All you need to do is flip the switch and suddenly all the Super Bowl talk comes through loud and clear. Bose QC35 headphones 2 were engineered with world-class noise cancellation, innovative wireless technology, up to 20 hours of battery life. Lose the noise, lose the wires, lose yourself in Super Bowl talk on TuneIn. Visit bose.com/nohuddle to experience Bose QC35 headphones 2 today. Bose, official sound of Super Bowl
0: 52. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle. The pod- here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's head back to Minneapolis for more of our coverage of Super Bowl 52. Let's bring you a conversation that Cordell Stewart and I had earlier as we enjoyed chatting with Doug Flutie on the NFL on TuneIn. Well, Doug, if I see you and Cordell beyond the greatness of the UFL, I'm thinking Hail Mary passes. We're in Minnesota. <laughs> that miracle that occurred here in Minneapolis, was that a Hail Mary? Or a blown tackle.
4: I would say a blown tackle. That's not a Hail Mary. A Hail Mary, although you can describe it as a Hail Mary because it was a prayer. Um, <laughs> but the, the label came back in Roger Stallback days to Drew Pearson and that was that was actually just a go route. And
2: that was right here. This yeah, was that the was side of the well. They knocked yeah. it down. They put up this ball.
4: And something goes – I thought a flag went flying out on the field for offensive pass. And if it was an orange or something, went flying by. Something yellow. <laughs> something <laughs> orange. I don't know. But, um, yeah, that that was amazing. And I still – the one point that I bring up about that, why didn't he catch the ball and just dive for the sideline? Mentally, initially, you've yeah. got no timeouts. There's 10 seconds to go. You're catching the ball with probably about three or four seconds. You are just – solo-minded to get out of bounds and when the tackle was missed that he just happened to realize that was the safety and there was nothing left because if that's what he's realizing he turns upfield if the safety doesn't run into the corner the corner will chase him down because he's got momentum so if i think he made a mistake by turning upfield it's funny when you say that i was sitting on the sofa and i'm watching the game
1: and so i'm saying to myself you know, they're, they're trying to throw these out routes to buy, get a, get a little more space so they can give four bath the opportunity to kick it through the uprights, right? So the first time he ended up missing Thielen going across the middle of the field, which you couldn't hit him because it was cover two. He catches it. He has to split difference and score a touchdown. The next time he tries to throw it to the right side, he misses it, and he goes next time, and he ends up catching it. But I didn't necessarily see the catch. All I saw was, was Marcus Williams miss him. He kind of saw it and kind of looked, Diggs looked inside. And when he looked inside, he had his hand on the ground. And I said to myself, he better hurry up and get out of bounds. But then after he took about five steps, I'm like, there's no one left. I'm like, unbelievable. Now, of course, our Hail Mary passes will forever be remembered in sports. That one play, I probably cramped and I wasn't even outside (laughs) because I was screaming so loud in my living room. And I just remember my moment. I was cramping when I saw that. But that one play probably was the most unbelievable play in field. In a oh, time in uh, which a place should have been made, and it wasn't, but the one that was was the one
4: that got this team to an NFC championship game. You know, it was, it was amazing to, to to see that happen live right in front of your face while you're watching an intense game and all you're thinking is field goal, all you're thinking is field goal, and then bang, the game's over. Right. Um, uh, for me, my childhood memory was, was – uh, Harry Bradshaw, Frank O'Hara, macular reception. Yeah, right. I left the room, and my brother starts screaming. And I had to come back in to see the replay, so I blew that one.
2: And that's why we love football so much. Chatting with our friend Doug Flutie joins us, courtesy of Epson. Among your many achievements, longevity really stood out in your career. Are you blown away like the rest of us by what Tom Brady's doing because he's showing no signs of slowing down at the age of forty?
4: I, it doesn't surprise me. I was around Tom for one season. I played till I was forty-three. I had my pizza, I stopped at McDonald's, I <laughs> ate pancakes for breakfast, I, whatever, right? Tom has been meticulous about his diet and about his approach, to, you know, the whole sports science thing today. I mean, that was, a. my generation was before that. I kinda, at the end of my career, I saw the guys around me starting that stuff. And I saw a difference in Drew Brees overnight. I saw a difference in Tom. Um, and his. The, the thing that amazes me to play this long for him is what's his motivation? He's won championships. He's a, how do you stay motivated on a daily basis to go in there and grind 12 to 14-hour days, prepare and compete the way you do, uh, having already had all the success that he's had? His wife makes more money than he does, and he doesn't need the money. So, I mean, that's the, the amazing thing is the motivation behind it, not the physical part of it. Tom, as long as he can throw, he could play to he's 50 because he, he'll be able to throw the football. Just think about the, the, the competitive spirit that you have.
1: And, and with that, what you just said, and you put it in perspective to, to try to think that you want to, even in your prime, to accomplish at least half of that. If you just think back on it now, is that the most unbelievable achievement that we've, just say when he's done, that mm-hmm. we could ever, ever experience? I mean, there's many other athletes that's been great but this what he's doing right now and all the uh, transformations that he's creating and he, this think about the evolution of the game. I mean, you're talking about maybe what two different decades of of changing of the games to the point where he's still relevant and doing it on the high
4: level. The world of RPO has come into play, yeah. you know, the athletic quarterback, the spread offenses. although we were too, soon. We were, we were too soon. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. were too soon for sure. Now, I had was Oh yep. my jeez. That's a shame. Oh. I mean, I got a taste of it in Canada for eight years and really rekindled my career when i came back and all that but to to see tom do what he's done and to do it with the personnel that he's done it with his go-to receiver is a tight end or a running back he doesn't have these all pro antonio brown type guys that are dominant in the league it's like just give me some quality guys that i can trust and let's go and i'll go to battle and he finds ways to get it done
2: Chatting with Doug Flutie joins us on behalf of Epson. Given your time with the Patriots, is there another side of Bill Belichick that we don't see? What's he like when the lights aren't
4: on? Uh, Bill is funny. Bill is, he's got a dry wit to him. And uh, he's a joy to be around off the field. I think um, when he, actually, Linda Holliday, his girlfriend, she has really socially brought him out as of the last, whatever it's been, 15 years, I don't know. And Bill, uh, Bill and I have been going to Bon Jovi concerts together for 30 years. So, <laughs> well, you're uh, living on a prayer, clearly. Yeah, there you go. And you know, I said this in an earlier interview. We were at uh, a Bruce Springsteen concert at Foxborough, and Bill's criticizing Bruce's playlist. I love that. It's like, <laughs> come on, play the good stuff. When is he going to get got, I got I to get bit down to the office. It's, so he's he's great. He's fun to be around off the field. He's just very close to the vest. He's not going to give the media anything. He does, And it's not because he wants to... Keep it from the media. He wants to keep it from the opponent of anything that might come out. So when you look at this game that we have coming up, uh, we just talked about everything about New England, of course, and it's it's
1: all greatness. I mean, you can't add another superlative to it to justify it. Is it going to be one of those hail mary type plays, uh, in a sense, or a hail mary type game that's going to allow Philadelphia have a chance in this?
4: I think Philadelphia is going to have to make those big plays. Uh, you know, and. It just you're going to have to have an 80-yard touchdown or or a punt return or a kick return or something, um, because New England is so consistent and comes at you from beginning to end and just methodically finds a way to win. And uh, you know it'll come down to four. You know, New England has not been a dominant explosive team. They just win football games. You know, it's not they like they're blowing people out by 30 points. Right. So you have to anticipate anticipate a close game.
2: Quick thought about college football. We've seen you on the NBC telecast. What are your impressions of Baker Mayfield? There have been comparisons with the playmaking ability, and let's just say he's not the tallest quarterback in the history of college football.
4: Uh, love him. I love his competitiveness, the way he makes plays when the game's on the line. Um, still, there's a learning curve from in the pocket, but he's smart. He's a smart guy. I've talked to the coaches, uh, talk about him, meet him at, at Heisman Week. Um that's the part that separates. There's a lot of guys with athleticism that can be successful in college just running RPOs and running the option or taking off and scrambling and making plays. That's all a bonus, but it's only a bonus if you can win the game from the pocket. And you've got to start there, and, and then that's the variable to give defenses a fit. And I think he's that type of kid. I think he's smart enough. You've got to learn to check protections, read coverage, deliver the football on time.
1: You've got Jay, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen. You have Sam Darnold. I like Baker Mayfield. I'm a huge on this show. I'm a huge Baker Mayfield fan. Is he more competitive? And, and remember, coming from Texas, Tech and also in Oklahoma, he was a walk-on. I mean, he didn't. He had to earn. You know how it is. Love with that and about people, him. And that's why. That's what gravitated me towards him. He seems as if he's the most complete quarterback. Not in the sense of height. Not in the sense of the typical stature that you need to go by: oh, long arms, big hands, tall, and yeah, yeah and all mm. that stuff the kid just knows how to play the game but most importantly he plays like a big man and most accurate i would say amongst all the other quarterbacks i just mentioned
4: i love the fact that he's taken that route and had to fight for every opportunity those are the guys that have a chip on their shoulder and fight their tail off long haul tom brady disappointed in where he was drafted in the nfl carries that chip with him to this day and it motivates him to to, to be yeah. who he is. And you need a little edge. It's you against the world. Okay, I'll show these. And I think that keeps guys motivated.
2: Finally, you teamed up with Epson again this year. What can you tell us about that partnership?
4: I've uh, been with Epson now for three years. Uh, I'm a small business owner. They have office products that, that just make you more efficient within the office and more productive. And uh, the printers, to be able to do printing in-house, whether it's signage, postage, you name it, uh, you're saving money and you look for that in every opportunity as a small business owner. Uh, the new product is uh, Fast Photo, which scans photos in less than a second, and uh, it's uh, a game changer from that standpoint. And for me, the thing I like to talk about are ink cartridges. Everybody hates in an office changing ink cartridges. And it happens all the time. You walk over, it's out of ink. You walk away and let somebody else deal with it. Uh, With the EcoTank, you can go up to two years without having to change a cartridge.
2: That is a good value proposition. Two (laughs) years. A winning formula from a Heisman Trophy winner. Thank you, Doug. Always good to see you on Radio Row. Appreciate it. it.
0: You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this.
5: Catch all new episodes of some of your favorite podcasts early with TuneIn First Play. You can listen to new episodes from some of your favorite shows, like Haunted Places by ParCast.
6: Every episode, I take you to the scariest haunted places on Earth. Hollywood
5: and Crime by Wonder. You also
0: tested the purse for fingerprints. Nothing viable there either.
5: And Uncivil by Gimlet. Before they're available any where
0: Where we ransack america's past and discover that history is only kind to those who write it
5: search first play podcast and listen early listen often listen today
0: this is nfl no huddle the podcast here are your hosts brian weber and cordell stewart Welcome back to NFL No
2: Huddle, the podcast, bringing you the biggest names in football, getting ready for Super Bowl 52 from Radio Rowan, Minnesota. The dominant event, the marquee festivity coming up on Saturday, NFL Honors. We're going to find out, among other things, who was the defensive rookie of the year this season. Don't be surprised if you hear the name of Saints cornerback Marshawn Lattimore, who joined us earlier today. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's got to be a busy week for you. I'm sure you prefer to be playing, but here we are back in Minnesota, so you know where I'm going to (laughs) start. How long did it take you to shake off what happened the last time you were here (laughs) playing against the Vikings?
7: Oh, man. It's still kind of hard, but, you know, I kind of try to put it in the past a little bit, try to have fun a little bit. I can't think about it, you know.
1: But everybody
7: bringing it
1: up, though. Yeah, they are. And, and I know you want to move forward because, of course, you feel like you should be here. And, and oh, I thought sure. the team you guys had, especially on the defensive side with Cameron Jordan yeah, and the yeah. pressure. And, of, of course, you coming in your first year. Remember going back to draft day when you came in and talked to myself and Brian and yeah. asking the question. You was kind of reserved and laid back, which was, but was excited. But then you go out and have a, a great year. Uh, how was it your first year? Was it something you thought it was going to be or the lights became a little bright early on?
7: Nah, I'm, I just go out and play football, man. That, that's just how I am, and I don't let the, the lights or anything get to me too much. And I just try to stay calm and, you know, just go in and, and do what I do. So uh, the first game, and I, I found out it was real, though. We uh, we, was in, we were in Minnesota. We actually lost in Minnesota. And, and our team, like, we weren't very good, you know, on defense. So I'm like, oh, yeah, it, it's kind of real. The NFL, the NFL life, you know, you really have to bring your A game. And then next week... You know we did a little better but you know we still wasn't there and after that you know we went on too and we just got together like man we, we had to do better and you know from there it just, it just went up from, from there so. we knew you when
2: you played big time college football at Ohio State as Cordell mentioned we chatted with you draft night in yeah. Philadelphia so you were ready for the pros and obviously you had a remarkable rookie year I think you're Appreciate going to be it. defensive rookie of the year so we'll look That's forward fun. to that announcement coming up <laughs> What was it like playing in New Orleans, Cordell's hometown? Right. We watch; it's the loudest venue oh, in man, all professional sports. It, and you guys <laughs> jump-started that defense this year.
7: Yeah, man, I love the Superdome, man. It's like when you make a play, man; it, it just go crazy, and you know you just get that 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 feeling. So, man, I love playing in front of that crowd, man. I, every home game, man, I just love it, you know. So, um just had like home field advantage in the playoffs against the Panthers, man. They, that was probably the loudest I ever, the stadium I ever been in. Even with Ohio State, we hold 108,000. But you know, just that Superdome, it's something about it, man. It's special, and you know, I love playing in New Orleans.
1: Most fans have a tendency to have a great connection with the fan, uh, with the team, the mm-hmm. fans and the team. You think of Pittsburgh, Steel City. You yeah. know how the people are. You think of Green Bay, right. Cheeseheads. Yeah. You know. You think of Oakland. You go into the black hole. You see the fans with all the costumes on. You remember that when yeah, growing up yeah, watching yeah, that, yeah. right? New Orleans, you know, you got the umbrellas, second lining. You know, everybody's got their beads on in the middle
0: <laughs> of October. You know, and, and
1: it doesn't come around until this time of year. Far as Mardi Gras is concerned, when you feel that love and that genuine passion from a group of people that's all about sports in that area, what does it do for you as an athlete, knowing that you came from Ohio State with right. Coach Urban Meyer and how he taught you? What does it do for us elevating your your, your capabilities of going out and playing well every week?
7: Man, it's just like. Man, you see everybody is, is there for you, and they they have genuine love for you, you know, as a player. So just to know you had that support uh, backing you up, and it's just easy to go out there and play for them, man. You know, just when you make a play, you know they're gonna, you know they're gonna yeah. scream and coming out the tunnel, yep. all that type of stuff, man. You know they they really love the players there. So man, like I said, man, I love playing in New Orleans, man. They they really genuinely have a love for the for the team, and you know it's a great feeling. Yep. Chatting with the Saints, outstanding quarterback Marshawn Lattimore
2: joins us. On behalf of Gillette, we'll talk about the outstanding work they're doing in a moment. So you mentioned you start the season on the road here in Minnesota, Mm -hmm. Monday Night Football. Week two, Tom Brady and the Patriots come to town. As you were getting ready for that game, I'm sure you knew Brady was the greatest of all time. But with your preparation, film study, what challenge does New England now present to Philadelphia, even with the advantage of two weeks to get ready, what's it like to
7: prep for Tom Brady? Man, they um Tom Brady, man, it's like it's never over with him. And you know, what they do is uh they they take plays that, that you didn't do good at and you know they attack that. So uh man, it's just like you you don't know what to watch. Like it's so much stuff to watch on them and uh you know it's so much stuff that they do, you like really can't you can't zone in to one thing. You know, you just gotta go out there and play your heart out, really, with them. And you know, just uh, sometimes they're gonna shock you with some of the stuff they do. But you know, most of the time they stay true to you know to what they do. So mm-hmm. you know, you never know what you're gonna get. And you know, you had to play all four quarters because it's never over with him. Just like last year, it came back uh, in the Super Bowl like that. And man, you had to play your heart out, man. Yeah, you do.
1: And, and I mean, they, one thing they do—they're prepared to play for 62 minutes, There's which man. you know that takes you into overtime. Because we saw that Super Bowl, as you alluded to. Uh, just now, but one thing you're talking about, which I think makes this organization led by Bill Belichick so phenomenal, so great on so many levels. While other teams are really, really good and some are great, this stuff is beyond conversation. You talked about them taking away the strengths of what you do on defense, yeah. uh, taking away the strengths of what you do on offense. Right. Does Philadelphia have enough? to be able to compete with this team because we've seen them play better than most yeah. in the NFC in particular as far as Fletcher Cox up front you have Malcolm Jenkins in the secondary oh, he's a leader in his own way and then at offense with all the backs they have Clements, Smallwood, like Garrett Blunt, Jay Ajayi the receivers, Torrey Smith who we never thought was going to play this well right oh, yeah, Alshon yeah. Jeffries coming out of Chicago yeah. and then you got the backup in Nick Foles right. do they have enough with Doug Peterson to be able to beat this football team
7: oh man you never, and really, you never know. You never know, like uh, what motivation they have going into the game. You know, that that's sometimes that's that's all like uh, what you need. You know, going into these type of games and just have motivation to go ahead and play your heart out, play better than what you've been playing. You know, all your life for, for a game like this. But uh, Tom Brady, man, it's just something about that team and him. Like it's hard to beat them. But uh, hopefully, you know, they uh, they step up to the challenge and try to get the job done.
1: But what would you be nervous about if you played that corner and you had to play them and say this was the championship? Well, they did in right. week
2: two, right? And yeah. we know what happened. Yeah. That was early in the season. And that was right. early
1: because you got better as the year went on. Your whole entire defense was much better than what they were, obviously, in the beginning part of the year. But if you had to do it again and you saw it and you saw what they've been doing, mm-hmm. what, what would you have done differently this second go around if you had a chance to play them again at the corner? Because you may have mm-hmm. not gotten beat. Yeah, but with, with everything else that everyone else was doing, what you saw when watching film, right. what do you think is the big
7: difference? Uh, just being aware. Yeah, that, that's really that's really the big one. That's biggest a good thing.
1: one because a lot of teams
7: aren't. Just just being aware of what's going on, like the down the distance and what what they're trying to attack. Like for us at the beginning of the season, with the uh, you know the outside corner inside corner, they was doing a lot of switch routes and we were getting picked. Right. So they attacked that, and we we knew that, but in the game like. You know the bullets flying, the bullets (laughs) flying. So, you know we get stuck in that, and we got better with that. uh, You know, uh, as the season went on, but I think that's the biggest thing: just being aware, man, and just just knowing what's going on in the game and and how they're trying to attack us. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really it. Teams have personalities. Give us a sense of the vibe in your locker room. You got Drew Brees
2: on his way to the Hall of Fame. Most popular man in the state of Louisiana next to Cordell. And then you arrive, Alvin Kamara shows up. You guys are arguably the two best rookies along
7: with Deshaun Watson in our league. What was the spirit like on your team this year? It was fun. It was actually fun in the locker room because, you know, I told him, man, we didn't have no swag as a team. Like (laughs) the first couple games, we were just playing flat, you know, and I. That's why we started taking the pictures, you know, on the field and just doing little fun things, you know, just to just to boost us up and uh, make us play better, you know, and play together as a as a as a team. But I mean, it was kind it was fun. Like tours, like going like as the season went on, we were just ha- trying to have fun. Marcus is funny, Cam is funny. They real outgoing, so they're funny funny guys. So you know, we we just tried to keep that up in the locker room every day.
2: Finally, you have teamed up with Gillette. What should our listeners know about the His Big Day campaign?
7: Uh, this, this campaign is just to show uh, the father and son relationship. You know, really, with my father, you know, he's been there with me through it all. You know, so uh, I just want to show everybody that. And they called me, asked me to do it, you know. And, and I was right with it because I wanted to show, like, because most people don't have fathers in their home, you know, to help them out like that. And I just want to show how impactful, you know, having a father is. So, um, you know, he helped me through everything. Since I, since I started playing football, you know, he helped me through everything. So I just wanted to team up with, with them, with him, uh, just, just get this done and show everybody how impactful a father could be in your life.
1: Well, you know, I was raised by my dad. Mom passed away when I was 11. My dad raised me by, by himself mm-hmm. uh, until he passed away five years ago. And then now I raised my son full time. Right. And so far as the connection you have with Gillette and what you guys are trying to accomplish with your dad, I'm assuming, yeah, that's what I'm looking at behind yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's a good thing, <laughs> man. It's nothing but like that dad power. Yeah, love, mama sure.
7: love, but dad power yeah, man.
1: is always great. So congrats on that, man.
7: Appreciate that. Great to see you.
2: Congratulations
0: yeah, you. on outstanding work of your year. Appreciate it. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this.
5: It's a new year, and time for you to explore new podcasts on TuneIn. What better way to celebrate the new year than taking a look back at the best podcasts of 2017? From news and politics to true crime, comedy, and history favorites, we've rounded up our favorites, and there's something for everyone. Shows included Dirty John, S-Town, My Favorite Murder, Homecoming, Pod Save America. Start your new year with these podcasts and more. Just search podcasts on TuneIn today.
0: Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: This is a special edition of NFL No Huddle, the podcast with comprehensive coverage of Super Bowl 52 from Radio Row in Minneapolis. The cavalcade of stars continue as we get set to welcome in one of the most versatile running backs in all of football. Tough to see David Johnson go down with a wrist injury. Let me soak you in. I'm not seeing much on the wrist. So let's start with that. How are you
8: doing from the health perspective? I am doing great. My wrist got cleared. I cleared the exam. It's fully functional, ready to go. That's outstanding news. Yes. So let's start with the
2: negatives and we'll work to the positives because there's so much superlative about your career. (laughs) How challenging was it to have to watch this year from the sideline?
8: Man, it was the hardest thing I ever had to do as far as football. I've never been hurt more than one week. I never had it a wrist, a freak accident, freak injury that I had like I did uh, in 2017. And it was just tough to watch those guys, uh, the Cardinals go up and down, you know, uh, have tough games, running the ball and feeling like I can't do anything to help them out. Now let's talk positives.
2: We're based in Southern California, so we see a lot of the Rams and get all of the coverage connected to them. And they were a marvelous story in your division. Four wins the year prior. Worst the first to win the NFC West? And Todd Gurley had a breakout season. But I tried to point out consistently, and I'm not a math guy. I just am aware (laughs) of who can play in our league. Your numbers last year, comparable to what Todd Gurley did this year in terms of versatility and all-purpose yardage. And Gurley, I think, is going to be at least the runner-up when we get the MVP news come Saturday night. So let's go back to your rookie year. Took a while to get the opportunity, but how were you able to make that transition from college football to the NFL so smooth?
8: I think the biggest thing is uh, learning. Being able to learn the playbook, especially B.A.'s playbook was not easy to learn. And, uh, you know, I think having that chip on my shoulder, having to prove everybody wrong was so much ingrained in my head to do it the best that I can so I can prove everyone wrong that I think that's what helped me out. And, uh, you know, transition from college to the pros and be able to have the success that I did. Does that still motivate you? Because you've proven not only do you belong,
2: you're one of the stars of this league.
8: Exactly. Uh, I still have that chip on my shoulder till this day. And especially with the injury and uh, feeling like, you know, you're not talked about as much or feeling like uh, sometimes you're not a part of the team to where now I feel like I need to get back to uh, being who I was the year prior. And so I'm ready to go. Brian Weber with
2: you. NFL No Other Live from Radio Row in Minnesota. It's the NFL on TuneIn chatting with one of the best running backs in the NFL, David Johnson of the Cardinals, who joins us on behalf of Verizon. We heard a lot of the R word this year in Arizona retirement. Yeah. and you
8: lost your head coach and your quarterback let's start with Carson did you have a sense that was coming no no I mean he wasn't saying either way just hearing it from everyone else outside of the team uh, no one ever you know talked to him about it but when I was hearing it in the media and, and stuff so I would go to him and uh, you know mess with him and nudge at, at him about coming back and you know telling me I can't wait to play with you next season we're going to come back and, and dominate like we did the year before and. He would kind of, you know, sometimes ignore it, sometimes not. So I I, I didn't have a recollection of what exactly was going to happen. OK. And then how about
2: your coach? Because there had been media speculation last offseason that Bruce Arians might walk away. He made it official this year.
8: No, no one. No one had a, a, a thought to it. Um, wow. Everyone was ready to go. Obviously, hearing the same thing in the media. Uh, from everyone about him retiring, but he was still coaching the same way, still on top of everyone, making sure everybody was doing the right thing, and he was still showing his passion for the game, and obviously no know, everyone knows about B.A.'s character. And, and we know yeah. about his personality. Yeah, his personality. And he and, is a character. <laughs> yeah. So i got to
2: be careful, because he'll be sitting in this chair. What's he like behind closed doors? Because I think he's going to be
8: a star in our business. Oh, he's great. Oh, I think the same, he's the same. There's no in difference. Front of the, in front of the cameras, because I think that's the best thing that everyone loved about him, is that he didn't change his character or his personality behind the scenes. And he was still that same uh, personality, still that same character, uh, down to earth, very old school type of uh, mentality. Is he going to rock the Kangol on TV? Oh, of course. of course. I don't think I've ever seen
2: him not rock it. So <laughs> I don't think he's going to change up soon. That is his brand We're chatting with Cardinals running back David Johnson. He's teamed up with Verizon. We'll give you all the details about that partnership momentarily. As we think about the Super Bowl matchup, we know traditionally New England's got it done at your position by committee, although James White, a huge reason why they won that Super Bowl a year ago. For Philadelphia, you got the one-two combination. Le- LeGarrette Blunt, who has an opportunity to beat his old team, and Jay Ajayi, somehow was available. Still don't <laughs> understand that from Miami yeah. prior to the trade deadline. If I had to put you on the spot, and we're just talking about your specialty,
8: running the football, who do you think has the edge on Sunday? That's tough. That's tough because I think it's two different types of, of football, of running back schemes. Whereas, you know, Deion Lewis and uh, another running back, they're more of you know, the pass catchers, the guys who are able to do it all. But Laguerre Blunt and Jay Ajay are more physical runners. They're going to ground and pound, and they're going to let you know they're dominant. So, I. It's tough because you can't gauge off the same type of running game. Yeah, it's not fantasy football. No. It's fit and
2: system, and the Patriots, as you know, short passing game really the same thing as a handoff Yeah, in terms of its effectiveness in the yardage. What can you tell us about your new head coach, Steve Wilks, coming over from Carolina? Everything I heard indicates he blew away ownership in yes. your GM, Steve Kahn, in the interviewing process.
8: Exactly. He's great mentality. Uh, I actually got a chance to speak to him, and I loved what he had to say, especially – The thing about running the ball as much as he can (laughs) and uh i loved his you know his his ability to just uh, take part and and be ready to be a head coach and when i was talking to him i loved the way that he communicated with me his passion for the game and that he is ready to be a head coach
2: i keep mentioning retirement because that's been a major theme are you talking to larry fitzgerald any sense of what his future could look like
8: nope i don't know um what he's thinking about but I think he's going to come back. My perspective, I want him to come back. Uh, he's still playing at a high level. I don't know why he wouldn't come back just because of uh, what he did. I mean, last year he had 100 receiving, having receptions, 1,000 receiving yards, and made it to a Pro Bowl. I mean, what? why, why, why would away? you retire? Yeah, Beat why Tom would Brady. You, I mean, yeah. Fitzgerald's getting better as he gets older exactly. as well since he moved inside. Exactly. And I think he's still playing at a high caliber and – He still I mean, last year he was blocking linebackers and he was still doing it. So uh, he's still playing young. What's it like for you to
2: be here but not playing on Sunday? Can you enjoy the experience or does that motivate you
8: even further? It motivates me even more. Uh, The biggest thing that I actually I was driving down and I saw the buses for the Patriots drive right by us with the cops. And I was like, man, I I need I I need to be there. And I think that's what really struck a nerve with me, because first I didn't even play last year and then you know we didn't make it to the Super Bowl so I think that drives me more that, that's more motivation for me to play
2: and think about the team concept you got to figure out who the quarterback is first but how about that division because I think when we get the final MVP ballot Russell Wilson's got to be in the top yep. three top five he is transformational under center Jared Goff has yeah. figured it out. The Rams division champs. And now Jimmy Garoppolo's Jimmy in your division G. in San Francisco. Feels like the NFC West next year could be the most complete division in all of football.
8: Oh, we're going to be a dominant, scary division. Uh, other teams are going to be scared to play us. They're going to be intimidated to play us just because of all those things. I mean, in San Francisco, didn't they win the rest of their games with Jimmy yeah. G? And Seattle had as, just as many injuries as we did on the defense. And then uh the rams obviously they won our division and they made it far after coming after winning four games uh the year before so we're going to be uh, you know a, a division to be reckoned with always fun to watch what happens inside the wild nfc west let's wrap it up with your partnership with verizon what are the details so with the, my partnership with them i love verizon uh their coverage is great but you can become a verizon up a loyalty member and the best part about that is not just their coverage they had expanded uh, their coverage by 500% in Minneapolis. So when you're at the Super Bowl, when you're at concerts, they are, and then they have this great promotion where you can get a free VIP experience with different, not just the Super Bowl, but you can go to concerts, you can go to different events year around the year uh, by being a Verizon Up loyalty member. And, Very cool. Yeah, and just by getting points, and uh, that's the, and obviously the reason you want to be with Verizon is because their coverage. They're, they have coverage that you get bars everywhere. I'm in the desert on mountains and I get bars. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to, you know, partner up with Verizon. And you
2: need that coverage in case you're stuck outdoors. Exactly. Aren't you happy you're in Arizona? Yes, uh, man. <laughs> you'll play anywhere. <laughs> I know you had to wait for your name to be called throughout the draft process, but yeah. hello, Valley of the Sun, as yes, opposed to exactly. the North Pole. Especially right now. Great to meet you. We, we admire your path to the NFL and, and keep it going and, and hopefully stay 100% healthy next year.
8: Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're listening to
0: NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Let's say
2: all you want to do is listen to TuneIn live from Radio Row, but all you hear is noise with Bose QC35 wireless headphones too. All you need to do is flip the switch and suddenly all the Super Bowl talk comes through loud and clear. Bose QC35 Headphones 2 are engineered with world-class noise cancellation, innovative wireless technology, up to 20 hours of battery life. Lose the noise, lose the wires, lose yourself in Super Bowl talk on TuneIn. Visit Bose.com slash NoHuddle to experience Bose QC35 Headphones 2 today.
0: Bose, official sound of Super Bowl 52. This is NFL No Huddle. the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: As we close out NFL, no huddle the podcast, let's take one more trip back to Radio Rowan, Minnesota for our coverage of Super Bowl 52. Let's check in with a man who had plenty of bling bling when he sat down with us, three-time Super Bowl champion, Daryl Moost Johnston. Daryl, always great to see you. As we think back on the achievements of what you and your teammates did in Dallas, how would you compare... Your cowboy dynasty to the current run of the Patriots certainly a longer, sustained period of excellence for New England.
9: We set the trend. We were the first to win three Super Bowls in four year. They're just trying to copy. It. He said there, it's there we go. They're emulating. Probably. <laughs> no, I, I am. I am so impressed by what they've been able to do. Um, and, and we talk about dynasties going through, you know, kind of a decade. Uh, a period of time and you know 60s it's the Packers I think the 70s is a fun decade to have a debate about Steelers uh, Cowboys great rivalry the undefeated Miami Dolphins with some Super Bowls early the 80s is the Niners the 90s is us early on the 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 Broncos do back-to-back in the late 90s and then we get to 2000 from 2000 to 2010 it's the Patriots and from 2011 till now it's the Patriots again so they're doing these things in an era where the business side of the game was supposed to prohibit it. You know, they talk to fans, and we, we don't really like the dynasty. We don't like the same teams in the playoff all the time. We'd love to see an opportunity for other teams to be able to make that jump a little bit quicker. So... Uh, what they're doing is is something that's not supposed to be easily done during this time, and, and Tom Brady is the constant. You know, he's the guy that all the changes have circulated around him. And you go back to the Corey Dillon and the defensive mantra. You know, early on in his career to the to the Wes Welker evolution of that position, and then the, the pairing with him and and Randy Moss on the outside. They brought back the double tight end with Gronkowski and Hernandez. Now they're into the the, the running back by committee thing. So. It's like Bill Belichick every year, looks at his roster, looks at his personnel and says, all right, what is the best way for us to win a championship? Because this is what we're working with. And he comes up with the best way to do that every year. It doesn't seem like he stays with the same thing year to year and tries to find guys to fit that as much as he looks at who he ends up with and then evolves from that point.
1: Let's give it the proper intro- introduction. Moo. So I used to love hearing it all the time. It, it was phenomenal. And in the time in which yourself, Novacek, uh, Emmett, Uh, You also had, obviously, Michael Irvin on the outside and Troy, who's my favorite. Rick Neuheis will end up coaching me, so he started telling me a lot of things about him uh, to help me evolve my game when I was at Colorado in my senior year. But when you talk about dynasties, you guys had a run-stop defense. You had a run-pass defense that was, I mean, a a pass-stop defense type of of thing. Uh, And offensively, you guys were all over the place with what you were capable of doing. Things have kind of changed in a sense of how— these guys in new england do it when you talk about yeah. dynasty how great is this what they're doing because he's had what maybe with well, 15 receivers over his time as a as a quarterback on this team
9: that's the biggest thing how he's the constant and everything has revolved around him and you know I did this conversation with people the greatest of all time yeah and at the quarterback position if, if the greatest of all time is measured by championships you know last year tom kind of passes you know montana and bradshaw the guys that everybody would always kind of hold on to uh but if you go back in history i had it you know if you Rick Oslin's is a friend of mine down in Dallas. He's on the Hall of Fame committee and, and he's God, he's such a great historian of the game. And he says, well, if that's true, then Otto Graham is still I have the leader in the clubhouse the Cordell, right. because he, he has eight championships in ten seasons. So they're not Super Bowl championships, but they're still NFL championships. So uh, it, you know it all depends on how we look at things, but but Tom's greatness, in, in my opinion, and, and a lot of people will say this now, this is something else is coming up. Tom was able to play his career through the modern era of protection for the quarterback, where a yes. lot of these guys played during the area where they were playing hurt in the fourth quarter. They were playing hurt in the second half of the season. Uh, you know, the, the quarterbacks are taken care of now, so it's kind of hard to go back through eras. Uh, but but what Tom's been able to do uh, really puts him in that discussion, in, in my opinion, of the greatest of all time. The greatest of all time, modern. Uh, and then we'll, we'll talk about the greatest of all time as you go back into the deep history of the game. And
2: so, we've used the phrase most accomplished as well mm-hmm. to acknowledge those championships. Sure. And you're right, Otto Graham with the All-American Football Conference mm-hmm. and the different permutations of the Big Word edition of the show. Chatting with our friend daryl moose johnson joining us on behalf of liberty tax you call primarily nfc games on fox some crossover opportunities, so you know that conference very well when carson wentz went down with the torn acl on that sunday in southern california did you think the eagle season was over
9: i didn't think it was over um they had taken some other injuries during the course of the year and had been able to weather the storm. But when you talk about an injury to the quarterback position, especially a guy who a lot of people were talking about as a league MVP at that point, uh, you, you wondered, you know, how how they were going to be able to to manage this one i I did not think they were going to make it through the playoffs i I really didn't i really to me the rams were the team that i was concerned about i thought they were the most complete team uh i thought todd Gurley was a difference maker uh you know jared goff is that guy now that has a lot of people around him and is utilizing those assets uh the the defense of the rams uh is is very underrated in my opinion Uh, they shored up a lot of the issues during the course of the season they had great special teams uh I just thought that they, in all three phases, they were a tough team. So when Atlanta goes out and handles them, I immediately shifted to Atlanta. And then when I saw the Eagles beat the Falcons in the divisional game, that kind of got me back on track of, wow, I, I, maybe maybe we didn't give these guys enough credit of what's around the quarterback position in Philadelphia. Maybe they're as complete as the L.A. Rams were. And, and if you look at them, they, they, there's, a, there's potential there. You know, the, their offensive line is still very effective without Jason Peters. Uh, defensively, I think the guys that they have fit into the scheme that Jim Schwartz runs very well. Uh, they can get pressure with four. Uh, they don't have to blitz. And then when you look at special teams, we talked about the Rams and what they did. They were one of the teams that blocked five kicks this year. The other one was the Eagles. So special teams could play a role in this thing. So, uh, you know, I, I did count them out. I really didn't think they were going to be able to navigate through the players that, or the teams that we had in the NFC, but they uh, they pulled it off.
1: You had an opportunity behind Troy to play, to have a, a good quarterback to come in and fill in and Jason Garrett. Uh, maybe not had a chance to to go this far because, of course, of course Troy would come back in and, and do his thing. But now you have Nick Foles actually playing the style of football. You need him to play at this point in time of the year to where, it can be something that's respectable when going into this Super Bowl, especially against this juggernaut and this football team. When you've watched him evolve over the past couple weeks, playing against Atlanta in the style in which he did, Dinkin and Duncan mm-hmm. hitting the backs in the backfield, yep. out of the backfield, similar to what New England did against Atlanta uh, in that Super Bowl with James White, to all of a sudden going vertical. I mean, two totally different type systems for this backup quarterback, yeah. and he's done it without turning the football over. How much hope or, or opportunity does this team truly have with Nick Foles as a quarterback?
9: Let's not forget that a couple seasons ago, Nick Foles threw up the third highest quarterback rating in NFL history for oh, a yeah. season. Mm-hmm. It, it one sixteen 16 point something that 27 and two, and two. Uh, you know, season he had. He's on a roll right now. And, and what you kind of look at it is, you know, the two Super Bowl losses that New England has had have both come at the hands of Eli Manning. And, and they were not a dominant team coming into the playoff picture. Uh, Eli got on a roll. And Eli played fantastic through the playoffs. Is Nick Foles on one of those types of roles? And you mentioned the deep balls in the game against Minnesota. A lot of those were adjustments. Those weren't double moves. No, those were those were ad lib on the mm-hmm. on the that 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 was the thing that was impressive to me. Uh, you know, the Alshon Jeffrey one over the top uh, w- was an adjustment. He sees him stepping up in the pocket, and he just breaks deep, and it's red and it's felt, and, and he and,
1: bought time. Yes, that was the yes. most impressive part. Is he bought time? Pulled the ball into his body and readjusted himself and put it on the point like yeah. this if it was with time. that with
9: that Minnesota front all yeah. around you a very yeah. dominant front the throw to Torrey Smith at the end of the half that's perfect was fantastic yeah. and that that's what i think is the most important thing i think Doug Peterson has to keep that drive at the end of the first half in mind during the course of this game that you can never let off the gas against new england I, I think a lot of people hey let's run a draw let's run a screen let's see what happens maybe we get a field goal opportunity out of this there, there seemed to be a mentality to go down the field and score a touchdown Got to be at aggressive. that time against a very good defense and have doug to be was. aggressive
2: and doug was yes. in the mc title game finally april 15th coming up our favorite day next to super bowl sunday What do we need to know about Liberty Tax?
9: Well, we need to know that we don't want to wait until April 15th to do this. So we we actually did a campaign shortly after Thanksgiving and tried to get people, you know, thinking about filing their taxes early, putting themselves in a position to get the early refund on January 6th. Uh, That worked. So we're back at it here at Super Bowl and we're doing it again. Uh, We're incentivizing with a double or something campaign. And and what's going to happen here is if you file your taxes uh, at Liberty Tax, uh, Liberty Tax is going to ask you to... Send out a tweet with the hashtag LibertyTaxDouble and tell us how you would spend your refund if Liberty Tax doubled it up to $2,500, or if they made your payment with the money that you owed the government up to $2,500. So, Just send out a tweet with the hashtag LibertyTaxDouble after you file your taxes with Liberty Tax, and that will make you eligible for the contest to get the uh, the $2,500 doubled refund or the money that you would owe to the government. And uh, we're going to pick two winners. And the great thing about it is Ed Bruno, who's here with us, the CEO of Liberty Tax, West Point grad, military background. He did this when we did it in November. He has a great military charity tie-in. So every time you send out that t- that tweet with the hashtag Liberty Tax Double, it's going to trigger a donation for the USO. And we're going to raise some funds for the men and women who did a great job uh, as our military personnel travel across the country.
2: Truly a win-win. Always Absolutely. good to see you. Congratulations on Fox Sports locking up Thursday Night Thursday Football night. for the next yeah. five years.
0: Thank you, Moose. Thank you. You're you listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. One, three, two, it's a new year and time for you to explore new podcasts on TuneIn. Bring in 2018 with exciting new podcast episodes for the whole family like Story Pirates, This Podcast Has Fleas, Tumble Science for Kids, The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, and so many more. Start your new year with these podcasts and more. Just search podcasts on TuneIn today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast spotlighting Super Bowl 52 in Minneapolis. Let's bring in a man who knows what it takes to win a Super Bowl, mid Super Bowl champion, Torrey. Brian Weber with you. Torrey, great to see you. Let's walk through your experiences at the Super Bowl. We use that word experience often. Yeah. How important is it for a player to have a sense of everything connected to the game, not only the longer halftime, yeah. all the events leading up to the game? Can it be overwhelming the first time you
10: take part in these festivities? It can be. It can be. It's funny. I was uh, uh, Emma Smith and I was talking about this this morning about how Uh, The the first time around Ed McCaffrey as well the first time around can always be a little more overwhelming because it's your first time around You don't know what to expect. I remember uh, Super Bowl 34 in Atlanta uh, Coming out for warm-ups and was so energetic and so fired up ready for the game I ended up going back in for the half to get an IV just to make sure (laughs) that I could get through the full game Uh, It's just the adrenaline You have so many people that come to the Super Bowl, celebrities, people from all over. Uh, It can be an overwhelming experience. And the Patriots, this is, for some of them, particularly Tom and Belichick, this is their eighth time playing in the Super Bowl. So they are more than experienced, uh, have more than enough knowledge of what to expect from this game. Then you look on the other side for the Philadelphia Eagles and Nick Foles, who's never experienced the Super Bowl. Uh, He doesn't know what to expect. But I also think that that can help you when you go out and play on Sunday as well, because there's no no one expects anything from the from the from the Philadelphia Eagles. That's why they're taking the dogs
2: again. Right. they just want to take this
10: underdog approach. Just so, like against Minnesota. Therefore, they can just go out and they can just ball and play and have fun, let their hair down and just cut it loose. Um, I, I think that can help you. But as the once they get into the flow of the game, once the pads start hitting and situational football starts to happen, then they those players they go right back to what they know and that's trying to go out and execute.
2: Super Bowl champion Torrey Holt is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn, talking about the idea of continuity and what the Patriots have done. Yes, I think it's remarkable, especially given the times no in which doubt. they're competing. Right, we have free agency, leading to player movement, yep. salary cap, league, and here they are, fifteen years in the making, and it
10: feels like nothing is going to change. And when you talk up, when you listen to Tom Tommy speak, and you listen to Belichick, and you listen to Kraft talk. The continuity on this squad is why they're where they are. Uh, Don't uh, Sterencki. The offensive line coach has been there for the longest. Right. Went away uh, for
2: the one year, and they said, come back. And they, he did yeah. because of that loyalty that because we know that about lo- the Patriots. And he
10: knows the organization. He knows what the expectations are. And when your coaches understand that and when the upper management craft in his group understands that, it permeates through the football team. And Tom Brady, who's their best player, some say he's the greatest of all time, one of their hardest-working players, has a ton of humility, very hard working. the first in, the last out, Once he understands and has adapted or has accepted what it takes for the Patriots to play at a high level and to win at a high level, then he can share that message to the rest of the football team and the guys buy in. I was there in New England for a short stint, And one of the things that I noticed immediately when I walked through those doors, it was about the team. It was about winning and it was about high level execution.
2: Let's see if we can make some headlines here. Your former teammate, the Hall of Famer Orlando Pace, sat in that chair a couple days ago yeah. and reiterated what another teammate of yours told mine, Todd Light, and I used to do radio together. When you lost to the Patriots, and you know where I'm going with this, <laughs> both sides of the football, there was a sense they knew what you
10: were going to do. Here we are all these years later. What's your takeaway from that matchup? You know what? At, at first, when I first heard it, I wasn't sure. And then all of a sudden, you know, tape started being started getting missing and tape started being burnt I was like okay maybe there is something to this but I will say this once we got down into the red zone they really had a good feel for what we were trying to do um, and they called the correct defenses uh, for those particular plays and they stopped us from getting in the end zone we didn't have a problem of moving the ball from the 20 to the 20 there was no issue for us in that ball game so both 36 but once we got into the red zone they had a pretty good idea of what we were doing, and they did a good job of keeping us out of the end zone because normally in those situations throughout the course of the year, we were scoring in those situations. Historically. Historically. Yeah. They did a good job of keeping us out. I want I, I, to credit them for good game planning and good scheme, but I also have to factor in the fact that they knew everything. They, 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 was just, they were just too good in the red zone area.
2: And why do you think they knew everything?
10: Well, they say they tape our practices mm-hmm. now there's, there's no proof of there's that. there's no right? proof of that but that's what was said just like i mean the the, the pages have been accused of other situations of cheating um but i always said they were the better team on that day they did a good job um, in some of their schemes at times, they rushed two defenders and dropped nine. I had right. never, I had never seen nothing like that in my life. Um, so, schematically, they did some things that kind of caught us caught us caught us off guard. We finally caught up in the second half of that ball game, but they made enough plays in the end to win.
2: Chatting with Super Bowl champion Torrey Holt, we look back on what you were able to achieve with your teammates in St. Louis, greatest show on turf. Yeah, were you guys ahead of your time? Because it feels like what you were doing then, mm-hmm. we see now permeating across other offenses here twenty seven, twenty eighteen in the NFL. Yeah,
10: we, we we were ahead of the curve in some ways, and when we were throwing the ball on first down and on second down and on third down, you know, you would hear a lot of the pundits say, "Mike Martz is crazy. What is he doing?" But that was he understood what he had talent-wise, and he did not mind expressing it and allowing us to go out and do what we did well and that was to throw the football he had guys that fit his system we were a vertical attack football team meaning there were seven step drops there were routes ran at 22 to 25 yard routes that's a long time and check this out for our listeners you see a lot of teams now do max protection where they leave in a tight end or they leave in a, a an extra receiver or they leave in a running back coach Martin didn't believe in that he believed in getting everybody out in the passing routes, and he left his offensive lineman in one-on-one situations for seven-step, five seven-step drops. That's a lot to ask of your Hall of Fame Orlando Pace, right. but he was able to get it done. We were ahead of the curve in that regard, doing some things that had never been done before on a consistent basis, and it worked.
2: And that's why Orlando's in the Hall of no Fame. Doubt. Marshall's in the Hall of Fame. Yep. Kirk got in the Hall of Fame last year. So let's wrap it up talking about Canton, Ohio. I think of your career. I think of Isaac Bruce's career. To me, you're both Hall of Famers. Thank you. It's just timing. Yeah. And we know the
10: process is you got to wait. How do you approach that personally? Well, you know what? I mean, I, I I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm humbled and, and honored to be uh, talked about amongst the greats, uh, amongst the Hall of Famers. I mean, we just saw Tim Brown here, who's a, who I love, and he had to wait. And, he brought that and, up. And he as had well. to yeah, he, and he had to wait. And Timmy is someone that I looked up to when I was coming into the National Football League. Hell, even when I was in college, I looked up to, to Timmy. Um, but right now it's that log jam for wide receivers and I played in the era Randy Moss Marvin Harrison Isaac Bruce myself and 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 uh and Terrell Owens we were the we were considered the top five receivers in that era and right now we're all up for the Hall of Fame so I'm honored I'm thankful I'll wait my turn if that's the case um and, and we'll see how it happens. We'll see how it works out. But I'm really pulling for Isaac this year to get in. Heck, I'm pulling for all the receivers to get in. <laughs> the quicker they get in. One less the, guy in your way, one, right? One Let's less guy this in the way. Conga exactly. line forward exactly. to Candle no, one, one less guy in the way for uh, myself and other guys that'll be coming up to get in.
2: We appreciate the visit. You got Absolutely. anything to promote? Come on, I always Look, say you're well, here on behalf of somebody.
10: Well, I'm here on behalf of Hope Brothers Foundation. Uh, my brother and I have a foundation. Where we support young kids with a parent or guardian that's battling cancer. We lost our mom to cancer in 1996 to lymphoma, so we've always vowed to do something in honor of her name. We have this program called Kids Care, where we allow where we provide educational and emotional support to those kids and families, and we also support a group called Camp Kesem, which provides a week-long camp to kids that is ran by college students all over the all over the states. Tremendous. Great programs. HopeBrothersFoundation.com.
0: Keep up the good work. Thank you, brother. Thanks
10: for giving us a couple minutes today. Thanks for having me, man.
0: Absolutely. You are listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this.
5: Catch all new episodes of some of your favorite podcasts early with TuneIn First Play. You can listen to new episodes from some of your favorite shows like Haunted Places by ParkCast.
6: Every episode, I take you to the scariest haunted places on Earth.
5: Hollywood and Crime by Wonder. You also
0: tested the purse for fingerprints. Nothing viable there
5: either. And Uncivil by Gimlet before they're available anywhere else.
0: Where we ransack America's past. And discover
1: that history is only kind to those who write it.
5: Search First Play Podcast and listen early. Listen often. Listen today.
0: This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to bring you the best moments of our Super Bowl 52 coverage from Radio Row in Minneapolis. So now let's take you to Minnesota. Super Bowl champion Mitch Berger now scaling an obstacle course. Mitch, the thing does open for you. You failed that test. Have a seat. Buddy. Do you have a clock? It's only five past the top of the hour, but great to see you on the NFL on Tuesday. Hello, 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 hello. What's Super up, Bowl champion Mitch Berger. Where now, Mitch. You? How can you tell I, by this big ring I got shining in your very face? Very subtle. Let me have that. Hold and you're happy to time. see me. Yes. I feel like I know you very well. Yes. <laughs> but believe it or not, I'm a journalist, so I did some Googling. Oh, crap. And you, yeah, <laughs> a lot came up. We'll oh, discuss man. most of it off the air. Came up is one way of putting you it. You can never debate the merits of Wikipedia. You know oh, how they describe goodness. you? Oh god. Canadian professional okay. football player. Okay. That's all right. I so thought you were going to say something worse. <laughs> if we go Alex Trebek, Justin Bieber, William Shatner, Jim
6: Carrey, do you crack the top 5 of proud Canadians? Oh, proud. Do I crack the top 5? I mean, I crack my top 5. I don't think I crack anybody else's. Uh yeah. there's some other ones in there. some good Canadians. We got uh Some
1: golfers too, right?
6: Yeah, uh, Is there any good golfers? Mike Weir. He's good for five Mike minutes. He yep, won yep, yep. a Masters and he lost his mind and then didn't do anything else. Yeah. What is this? Oh my God. Super Bowl champion Mitch Berger now
2: soaking in Cordell as a pirate. Well, a well, photo
6: that's going to go viral. Mitch, this, have this we is posted that to our social
2: media accounts? We, we need to. We, we need, have 17 people here staring he looks at me. more
6: like a cowboy. Somebody else is the pirate. Somebody. He's an urban cowboy.
2: Well, yeah. here's, the, here's
1: the deal. <laughs> I had to do a, a segment. Uh, with NBC Sports there in Washington.
6: Will you sign that for me, one of those? Oh, sure, I'll sign that for, you. I'll give you that for you. 50 bucks, pal, 50 bucks. Yeah, right.
1: I want the ring. Um, That's
6: Super Bowl. I'll let, let six, you wear two. it for five seconds for 50 as, bucks.
1: <laughs> Here's the deal. So what we had to do was we had to take what we were experiencing here at the Mall of America yeah. into the homes of many that hadn't had the opportunity to come here. So we went to different stores. That was one, which was the old picture store where we could have been a, a crew from the 1920s. We could have been a bunch of gangsters. We could have been yeah. Westerners. We chose to try the Pirates.
6: Why would you pick that?
1: Well, the guy I was with, JP, who actually was actually hosting the segment, he said, "You know, I like pirates." Then he tried to be a cowboy. Then he wanted to be a western. I, yeah, let's just do a lot it. of role let's playing going Didn't on he here. Did he play bitch?
6: video games like the rest of us? And he's, yeah. he actually was playing cowboys, Indians, and stuff. No, he or? wanted
1: to do all that stuff. You know, all, all right. that stuff. So we went around from different stores. Went to a tennis shoe store, you know, around the corner where they have all the tennis shoes of Michael Jordan in plastic. Mm. And so what you do is you put a five, you put five bucks into it. There's a key on the remote. You take the key, you slide it in front of the shoe that you want to win. It goes into the hole. It's a five hundred dollar shoot. You know the old school retro Jordan. Yeah, yeah, for five bucks. Huh. It's not a bad deal. No. Remember, this uh, is a
2: football show. Yeah. At some point, we could talk about the Super Bowl. What do you <laughs> think? I like that. You like now, that? my annual like question that. is, I mean, why you're, are you here? Yeah. You
6: know that. I usually start with, who is Mitch Berger and why am I talking to him yeah. at the Yeah, you yeah. know, you, you, are the, you are the most cockiest, arrogant, <laughs> uh, anti Mitch Berger interview that I, I do every you. time. I and you know what's funny? You, I know that you had me at the end of last yes. year. Yes. You're the end of my year this year. I made you the end of my year. So, this is my last interview because what I did was I changed my Flight. I changed my flight. I'm getting the hell out of here. <laughs> After this it's interview. It's too cold, and the Minnesota Vikings aren't in the game. Right. My Steelers didn't make the game. My Saints didn't make the game. I don't want to watch either of these losers play in this football game. Losers. Right. Yeah, winner losers. Okay. You know, same thing. Right. It's, it's, the it's a fine the line. Thing. But I don't want to watch this game. I'm yeah. going to go to the Phoenix Open. Right. I'm going to crack a beer at 10 a.m. Saturday morning. I'm going to drink right. all day at the Phoenix Open with all the crazies, and I'm going to go to a Super Bowl party in Phoenix I, in 80-degree weather more instead. More
1: responsible advice from Super Bowl <laughs> champion Mitch Carter on the NFL Shooter. I tried to tell him how special you were and how you were just one of the boys. That's not a traditional kicker's response. Is that that? was No, that was all in. That was that was one of the boys for real, for real. Like, we were in Colorado. How you been with the guys at Pittsburgh? You're just one of the boys. You just so happened to be one of the best kickers, punters, and everything under the sun of all time. One of the best.
6: Well, you know what, man? I played quarterback. I played point guard on my basketball teams. I played safety. I played so you're all an athlete. The, Well, I'm used to being the captain of the team. And try, You know how weird it was for me to be a kicker? <laughs>
5: So it was what happened? so you good you your soul. How did you become on,
6: a punter? How did I become a punter, my dad? I was a really good soccer player when I was little and I could get I was the only kid that could get the corner kicks up in the air so the guys could head them, you know, at a, like at 5 and my dad was like, "You know what? He's born and raised in Pittsburgh, raised me in Canada, so he was Steelers fan since I was 3." And so he raised me like an American kid, but he's, it, back in uh, pop Warner football, if you kick the extra point, you got 2 points, and if you ran in, you got 1. Back then they tried to encourage you to kick because, you know, kids couldn't kick. It was a hard thing to do snap hold, everything so my dad was like he found a way that we could score more points he's like i'm gonna make you into a field goal kicker so he found a handbook and he taught me how to kick field goals when i was seven and uh i just kept doing it as i played all the other sports and was getting better and better and i went to some some camps in the state of washington and i was beating up on all these kickers in washington state that were going to all these huge schools and uh the coach goes well where are you going and i go I'm going to Shattern State College in Nebraska on a NIA Division III half scholarship. They want me to redshirt the first year. That's all I could find. And he goes, I'm sending you to a, a full scholarship junior college. You go show them what you can do. I went to Tyler, Texas. Buffs won the national championship. I made All-American my year in junior college. And then I went in, same same recruiting class as Cordell. I believe we got there the same year, right? Yeah, we did. 91? Yes,
1: right. May of 91.
6: Same year, as 90, same year with Cordell, and the rest is history. Well,
1: here, here's the thing, and, and, and I don't think anyone knows this, but you know, literally punt, kicking field goals. You had one of the biggest uh, foots. Let's call it plural foots, not feet, <laughs> but foots uh, that I've that I think most people probably don't appreciate because let's just be transparent here. Kickers don't get all the respect they truly deserve other than when you make or miss a field goal. But how good does it feel to see that Mort Anderson had an opportunity to get into the Hall yep. of Fame last year Great. to where now it brings a tremendous amount of relevance to that position? One. That's always seemed like it was on an island by Well, itself.
6: you know what even more so did was when Ray Guy went. When Ray Guy went a couple years ago, all us punters got together. There's like 30 of us, Greg Coleman, um, yeah. Brian Barker, a bunch of those guys. There's about 30 of us got together. We had a golf tournament. We went down there, and we all cheered Ray Guy getting into uh, – <laughs> you guys will like this. We went and cheered Ray Guy going into the Hall of Fame, and I was like – This is awesome. It sounds like a great idea. But I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to go to see just Ray Guy, (laughs) though. So Michael Strahan, who's Michael Strahan has become a good buddy of mine over the years, was getting in the Hall of Fame, too. So I was like, okay, I got kind of two reasons to go. So we go to the party. Ray, guys, I mean, I was just drinking beers the whole time. I'm sensing a theme in these stories. Yeah. Well, if we do this enough times, you'll be our third year together. The theme will be solid. Um, And uh, they have the party afterwards. And some country guys playing at Ray Guy's. And they have the party after. They all have their little circle. In their tent where they have their after party, and Ray Guy's got some guy playing a banjo or something yeah. like that. I walk right by Ray Guy's and Bon Jovi and L. Cool J's playing at Stray Hands. I never saw those guys again. I just wow. went to Straight Hands' party. So you're a punter when it's convenient. That's right. Right. When I, kid, I would say that I used, I've i used my punting to get me as far as I could possibly get as a punter. I oh, yeah, got fun. you to the mall. Socially.
2: Mall in Minnesota, <laughs> Socially. and next stop airport. <laughs> that's
6: right. <laughs> so you funny. have any thoughts on the game, obviously? Not you really. don't care. I, because you're Steelers. You know are not what? Playing. You know what? I do. I I have thoughts on this game, and I think that uh, I like the point spread. I'll I'll do some illegal betting for you Good. Remember,
2: this is the NFL on TuneIn. We don't really talk about
6: gambling, but you're on a roll. The floor is yours. Okay. Let's say we wouldn't even worry about the point spread. I like Philadelphia in this game. I think Doug Peterson's, I think in every game Bill Belichick coaches in, he wins the second half. They make better adjustments than anybody. They did it in both playoff games. But I think Doug Peterson just made a fool out of the Vikings court. Zimmer Zimmer last week, or two weeks ago, uh, outplayed uh, in the first half and the second. In half but I just think that this is a coach that 's actually going to rise up to the coaching challenge in this game against Bill Belichick and have something for him um, and this team is on a roll and I just think head to toe, this is a better football team and usually the coaching gets them past that little extra level when they don't quite have the, the, the talent and I think Doug Peterson is a very undervalued coach who people are starting to see how great of a job he can do and what he's done with Nick Foles and these guys. I think he's the difference in this game. I like Philadelphia by eight.
1: I mean, when you look at it, when you look Sorry, at no it points for uh, By oh, eight, thank right. you. <laughs> when you look- are you
2: overwhelms or perhaps it could be an understatement uh over <laughs> very subtle again we actually had football analysis yeah, back to you cordell yeah, we did
1: eight points huh well I, I tell you what the thing is and i think you hit you guys call me head. if that happens yeah, <laughs> yeah. wherever you know, i'm at a golf course in made. A, made days
2: apparently yes. in arizona but yes. when
1: you look at what what, what they have <laughs> been able to do i mean it's been really 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 good I mean, being able to to adapt to whatever situations that came their way with some players that are marquee players on offense and defense that come from other teams just last year. Think about Jay Jay Ajayi when he came in this year. Think about, like, Garrett Blunt and leaving New England to come here. Chris Long, he's come here. So when you really – and Nick Foles coming back from Kansas City. When you look at how this thing has transitioned from Carson Wentz to Nick Foles, we're not talking midway through the season where he's gotten enough reps to get himself prepared. We're talking, like – Literally within a four-week span, he had to go from being somewhat a lousy quarterback that came in and played against Dallas in in Oakland to all of a sudden became a star against Atlanta as well as Minnesota.
6: When you hear about all that extra stuff he's been doing with the receivers and all the extra time they've been taking and how his timing has gotten there better and better. And, you know, uh, going from one quarterback to another, catching the balls and the difference and just the the minute timing, how that's gotten better over the weeks. Um, And also, you know what I love in the coaching style, too, and what they've done? They've talked to some special teams coaches to talk about what it's like kicking. In this stadium, they've uh, had their practice where they shut it down for a half an hour. We didn't do that in Pittsburgh, where they made them sit like it was halftime in practice yesterday, and then they they shut them down and they started practice again to show them what it would be like the Super Bowl. Because I'll tell you, it's the worst. I mean, you're in there thirty minutes, right? It feels like you're in there forever. You have to. It's like you play two different games. Tory Holt told me he took an IV. It was so long. It was crazy. It's crazy, but the fact that they're actually smart enough in their first trip to do some of these things that Pittsburgh, we'd been there before, we didn't do those things. just they're ahead of the curve in a bunch of ways that first-time teams usually aren't and uh, just what he's done with this team how do you lose the MVP but you win the but you go to the Super Bowl it's unbelievable it speaks to the complete nature of the roster thing about all the talent
2: other than now you're talking about a backup quarterback now Mitch we could do this for hours but you have a plane to catch finally (laughs) how many times has Cordell mentioned to you as an emergency punter no training no background AFC special teams player of the week in Baltimore who he would, You don't know the story? No. How come I tell your stories better than you? Because tell your dear friend who's a punter about your time as Mitch a punter. Mitch and I
1: never had an opportunity to do that, but Mitch, you know I was a, such a phenomenal athlete when we were at Colorado. You knew yeah. that already. So this shouldn't surprise you to an extent. But hey, we play against the Jets. They're in their home stadium. So I'm sitting on the bench, Anthony Wright, we know the name, Anthony. Yeah, I Played course. quarterback with yeah. Dallas and also he played with the Baltimore Ravens. We're sitting on the bench and, you know, we're just talking and chopping it up or whatever and and all of a sudden, the punter gets hurt. So you know Thanksgiving time, they sucker the rookies into going and buy the turkeys and all that great yeah. stuff. So A. Wright sit next to me, and he bumps me with the elbow. He says, still, you got to go in and punt. I said, what are you talking about? I said, I'm serious. He said, the punter got hurt. So I look up, and there's Brian Billick. He's like, Cordell, start warming up. I'm like, for what? He said, to go in and punt. So my first punt is out of the end zone. The, literally, I'm two inches away from the end zone. The ball's probably on maybe the four-yard line. So you know you have to how How'd you to, like that feeling? Dude. <laughs> Bro, I, I honestly, the respect went to another level. So I punted. I punted too quick because I was nervous. Yep. It was a line drive. It probably got no higher than maybe 20 feet off the ground, and you know that's not high. So it may have hit the 30-yard line and bumped. You know, maybe— Yeah. You know, but, so Adelius Thomas comes up to me and said, Cordell, man, you got to put it up in the air. At least let us know if you're going to do whatever. So two punts later, I'm in the same position again. They're now like maybe on a 10-yard line, so I'm kind of in the middle. And Dion, before I go in after hitting those line drives, he said, man, get your foot up in the air. So I get my foot up in the air into the wind. I punt a 50-yard punt. It literally lands on the 50-yard line, a spiral. I didn't even feel it come off my foot. That's when it's the really good punts, right? Yeah, yeah the smile. Right. And so all of a sudden, we get back. We go to meetings on Monday, you know. we chopping it up Wednesday, come around. Oh, Coach Brian Bailey looks at the list and he kind of bats his eyes a little bit and shakes his head. He's saying, hey, and special teams player of the week, AFC special <laughs> team player of the week, Cordell Stewart, and everybody's like, Everybody down there passed out the Wait, wait, the, league the room. team special teams player of the week? Or the AFC?
5: Conference. AFC, AFC conference special teams player
6: of the week, Mitch. I never want an AFC special teams player Bruh, of the week. <laughs> I want about fifty I want about fifty game. NFC of, but but no AFC. You know what it points out? Anybody can be a punter. That's my takeaway. That is what it points out. And, and if any any anybody was gonna make that comment, it would be you to me. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> it's a tradition it. unlike any other. You're going to a golf course. Mitch, we're going to miss you. This feels like the end of our broadcast week.
6: You're you the closer what? every it's year the, at the Super Bowl. I am the closer, and I'll close with this.
2: Good night. Drop the mic. There goes Mitch Berger. Allow me to shake <laughs> your hand. Thank you, man. Thank you, Thank you Always bro. a pleasure. That's my Safe travels. Right love That's him. our friend, the only punter we allow on the hey. show, Super Bowl champion Mitch Berger now. Scaling an obstacle course. Mitch, the thing does open for you. You failed that test. Have a seat, buddy. Do you have a clock? It's only five past the top of the hour, but great to see you on the NFL on Tuesday. Hello, 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 hello. Super Bowl champion Mitch Berger. Now Mitch how can you tell I, by this big ring I got shining in your very face? Very subtle. Let me have that. Hold and you're happy to second. see me. Yes. I feel like I know you very well. Yes. But believe it or not, I'm a journalist, so I did some Googling. Oh, crap. And you, yeah, a lot came up. Oh, we'll discuss man. most of it off the air. Came up is one way of putting you it. You can never debate the merits of Wikipedia. You know oh how they describe goodness. you? Oh, God. Canadian okay. professional football okay, player. That's right. I so thought you were going to say thinking. something worse. If we go Alex Trebek, Justin Bieber, William Shatner, Jim
6: Carrey, do you crack the top five of proud Canadians? Oh, proud. Do I crack the top five? I mean, I crack my top five. (laughs) I don't think I crack anybody else's. Uh, There's some other ones in there, some good Canadians. We got uh, some
1: golfers, too, right?
6: Yeah. uh, Is there any good golfers? Mike Weir. He's good for five minutes. He won won a master's and he lost his mind and then didn't do anything else. Yep. Yeah. What is this? Oh my God. Super Bowl champion Mitch Berger now
2: soaking in Cordell as a pirate. Well, a well, photo that's going to go viral. Mitch, this, have this we posted that now. to our social media accounts? We, we need to. We, we need, have 17 people here staring he at me. It's more like a cowboy. Somebody else is the pirate.
6: Somebody. He's an urban cowboy.
2: Well, here, <laughs> yeah. here's, the, here's the deal.
1: <laughs> I had to do a, a segment. Uh, with NBC Sports there in Washington.
6: Will you sign that for me, one of those? Oh, sure, I saw, I'll sign that for, now, I'll that for bucks. you. 50 I'll give Yeah, right. I
1: want the ring. Um,
6: That's Super Bowl. I'll speaks. let you wear it for five seconds for <laughs> First, 50 bucks.
1: <laughs> here's the deal. So what we had to do was we had to take what we were experiencing here at the Mall of America yeah. into the homes of many that hadn't had the opportunity to come here. So we went to different stores. That was one, which was the old picture store, where we could have been a, a crew from the 1920s. We could have been a bunch of gangsters. We could have been yeah. Westerners. We chose to try the Pirates.
6: Why did you pick that?
1: Well, the guy I was with, JP, who actually was actually hosting the segment, he said, "You know, I like pirates." Then he tried to be a cowboy. Then he wanted to be a Western. I, yeah, let's just do a lot it. of role playing Didn't going on he here. Did he play bitch. video
6: games like the rest of us? And he's, yeah. he actually was playing cowboys, Indians, and stuff. Well, he or? wanted
1: to do all that stuff. You know all all right. that stuff. So we went around from different stores. Went to a tennis shoe store, you know, around the corner where they have all the tennis shoes of Michael Jordan in plastic. Mm. And so what you do is you put a five, you put five bucks into it. There's a key on the remote. You take the key, you slide it in front of the shoe that you want to win. It goes into the hole. It's a $500 shoe. You know, the old school retro Jordans. Yeah, yeah. For five bucks. It's not a bad deal.
2: Remember, this Uh. is a football show. At some point, we could talk about the Super Bowl. I I like that. Now, my annual question is, why are you here? You
6: know that. I usually start with... (laughs) Who is Mitch Berger and why am I talking to him? Yeah, like exactly. you, know, you, you, are the, you are the most cockiest, arrogant, <laughs> uh, anti-Mitch Berger interview that I, I do every you. time. I and you know what's funny? You, I know that you had me at the end of last yes. year. Yes. You're the end of my year this year. We I, end made right you, I made you the end of my year. That's so this is, this is my you last know. interview because what I <laughs> did was I, I changed my flight. I changed my flight. I'm getting the hell out of here. <laughs> After this it's interview. It's too cold. <laughs> and the Minnesota Vikings aren't in the game. Right. My Steelers didn't make the game. My Saints didn't make the game. I don't want to watch... Either of these losers playing this football game. Losers, right. Yeah, winner losers. Okay. You know, same thing. Right. It's, well, it's, 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 it's a fine line. But I don't want to watch this game. Yeah. I'm going to go to the Phoenix Open. Right. I'm going to crack a beer at 10 a.m. Saturday morning. I'm going to right. drink all day at the Phoenix Open with all the crazies. And I'm going to go to a Super Bowl party in Phoenix I, in 80-degree weather more instead. More responsible advice from Super to, Bowl
1: champion <laughs> Mitch Berger on the NFL on June. I tried to tell him how special you were and how you were just one of the boys. That's not a traditional kicker's response. Is that It was no. That was all in. That was that was one of the boys for real for real. Like we were in Colorado. How you been with the guys in Pittsburgh? You're just one of the boys. You just so happen to be one of the best kickers, punters in everything under the sun of all time. One of the best.
6: Well, you know what, man? I played quarterback, I played point guard on my basketball teams, I played safety, I played so you're all an athlete. Just, Well, I'm used to being the captain of the team and ch- you know how weird it was for me to be a kicker? <laughs> it so was what so happened? You're good. At you it, bro. your soul. And how did early you become on, a punter? How did I become a punter my dad I was a really good soccer player when I was little and I could get I was the only kid that could get the corner kicks up in the air so the guys could head them you know at a, like at five and my dad was like you know what he's born and raised in Pittsburgh raised me in Canada so he was a Steelers fan since I was three and so he raised me like an American kid but he's it back in uh, Pop Warner football if you kick the extra point you got two points and if you ran and you got one back then they tried to encourage you to kick because you know kids couldn't kick it was a hard thing to do snap hold everything so my dad was like he found a way that we could score more points He's like I'm gonna make you into a field goal Goal kicker so he found a handbook and he taught me how to kick field goals when i was seven and uh i just kept doing it as i played all the other sports and it was getting better and better and i went to some some camps in the state of washington and i was beating up on all these kickers in washington state that were going to all these huge schools and uh they, the coach goes well where are you going and i go I'm going to Shattern State College in Nebraska on a NIA Division III half scholarship. They want me to redshirt the first year. That's all I could find. And he goes, I'm sending you to a, f- a full scholarship junior college. You go show them what you can do. I went to Tyler, Texas. Buffs won the national championship. I made All-America my year in junior college. And then I went in, same same recruiting class as Cordell. I believe we got there the same year, right? Yeah, we N- did. 91? Yes,
1: right. May of 91.
6: S- same, year as 90- same year with Cordell, and the rest is history. Well,
1: here's the thing, and, and, and I don't think anyone knows this, but You know, literally punt, kicking field goals. You had one of the biggest uh, foots, let's call it plural foots, not feet, (laughs) but foots uh, that I've that I think most people probably don't appreciate because let's just be transparent here. Kickers don't get all the respect they truly deserve other than when you make or miss a field goal. But how good does it feel to see that Morton Anderson had an opportunity to get into the Hall of Fame last year to where now it brings a tremendous amount of relevance to that position? One that's always seemed like it was on an island by Well,
6: itself. you know what even more so did was when Ray Guy went. When Ray Guy went a couple years ago, all us punters got together. There's like 30 of us, Greg Coleman, um, yeah. Brian Barker, a bunch of those guys. There's about 30 of us got together. We had a golf tournament. We went down there, and we all cheered Ray Guy getting into. Uh, <laughs> you guys are like this. We went and cheered Ray Guy going into the Hall of Fame, and I was like, this is awesome. It sounds like a great idea. but I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to go to see Just Ray Guy though. <laughs> so Michael Strahan, who's a, Michael Strahan, has become a good buddy of mine over the years, was getting in the Hall of Fame too. So I was like, okay, I got kind of two reasons to go. Right. So we go to the party, Ray Guys. I mean, I was just drinking beers the whole time. I'm sensing a theme a- in af- these stories. After, after yeah. Well, you, if we do this enough times, you'll. you'll the it's only our third year together. The theme will be solid. <laughs> um, and uh, they have the party afterwards, and some country guys playing at Ray Guys, and they have the party after. They all have their little. In their tent where they have their after party, and Ray Guy's got some guy playing a banjo or something yeah. like that. I walk right by Ray Guy's and Bon Jovi and L. Cool J's playing at Stray Hands. I never saw those guys again. Wow. I just went to Stray Hands party. So you're a punter when it's convenient. That's right. right. When I, could, I would say that I used, I've used my punting to get me as far as I could possibly get as a punter. Oh, I got, got you to the mall. Socially.
2: Mall in Minnesota, and next stop airport. <laughs> that's right. You
6: <laughs>
9: have like so yeah, any
6: thoughts on the game, obviously? Not you really. don't care. I, I, because you're Steelers. You know are not what? Playing. You know what? I I do. I have thoughts on this game, and I think that uh, I like the point spread. I'll, I'll, I'll do some illegal betting for good, you there. Remember,
2: I, this is the NFL on tune in. We don't really talk about
6: gambling, but you're on a roll. The floor is yours. Okay. I'd, let's say we wouldn't even worry about the point spread. I like Philadelphia in this game. I think Doug Peterson's, I think in every game Bill Belichick coaches in, he wins the second half. They make better adjustments than anybody. They did it in both playoff games. But I think Doug Peterson just made a fool out of the Vikings court. Zimmer, Zimmer last week or two weeks ago uh, outplayed uh, in the first half and the second half. Half, but I just think that this is a coach that's actually going to rise up to the coaching challenge in this game against Bill Belichick and have something for him. Um, and this team is on a roll. And I just think head to toe, this is a better football team. And usually the coaching gets them past that little extra level when they don't quite have the, the, the talent. And I think Doug Peterson is a very undervalued coach who people are starting to see how great of a job he can do and what he's done with Nick Foles and these guys. I think he's the difference in this game. I like Philadelphia by eight.
1: I mean, when you look at it, when you look Sorry, at no it, by oh, eight. Thank you. When you <laughs> Are you
2: overwhelmed, or perhaps it could be an understatement?
1: Uh, over.
2: <laughs> Very subtle. Again, we actually had football analysis. Yeah, Back to you, Cordell. Yeah, we did
1: eight points, huh? Well, I, I tell you what. The thing is, and, and I think you—you you guys call me head. if that happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. wherever will be on the golf course in days,
2: apparently yes. in Arizona. But yes. when yes.
1: you look at what what, what they have <laughs> been able to do, I mean, it's been really, really, really good. I mean, being able to to adapt to whatever situations that came their way with some players that are marquee players on offense and defense that come from other teams just last year. Think about Jay Jay Ajayi when he came in this year. Think about, like, Gary Blunt and leaving New England to come here. Chris Long, he's come here. So when you really – and Nick Foles coming back from Kansas City. When you look at how this thing has transitioned from Carson Wentz to Nick Foles, we're not talking midway through the season where he's gotten enough reps to get himself prepared. We're talking, like – literally within a four-week span, he had to go from being somewhat a lousy quarterback that came in and played against Dallas in Oakland, to all of a sudden became a star against Atlanta as well as Minnesota.
6: When you hear about all that extra stuff he's been doing with the receivers and all the extra time they've been taking and how his timing has gotten there better and better. And you know, uh, going from one quarterback to another, catching the balls and the difference and just the the minute timing, how that's gotten better over the weeks. Um, And also, you know what I love in the coaching style too and what they've done is they've talked to some special teams coaches to talk about what it's like kicking in this stadium. They've uh, had their practice where they shut it down for a half an hour. We didn't do that in Pittsburgh where they made them sit like it was halftime uh, in practice yesterday and then they, they shut them down and they started practice again to show them what it would be like the Super Bowl because I'll tell you, it's the worst. I mean, you're in there forever. You yeah. have to, it's like you play two different games. Torrey Holt told me he took an IV. It was so long. It was crazy. It's, it's, it's crazy, but the fact that they're actually smart enough in their first trip to do some of these things that Pittsburgh, we'd been there before. We didn't do those things. I just they're ahead of the curve in a bunch of ways that first time teams usually aren't. And uh, just what he's done with this team, how do you lose the MVP but you win the super but you go to the Super Bowl? Right. It's unbelievable. It speaks to the complete nature of the roster think yep. about all the talent, other
2: than now you're talking about a backup quarterback. Now, Mitch, we could do this for hours, but you have a plane to catch. Finally, <laughs> how many times has Cordell mentioned to you, as an emergency punter, no training, no background, AFC special teams player of the week in Baltimore? Who? You don't know the story? No. How come I tell your stories better than you? Tell your dear friend who's a punter about your time as a punter. Mitch and I
1: never had an opportunity to do that. But Mitch, you know I was such a phenomenal athlete when we were at Colorado. You knew that already. So this shouldn't surprise you to an extent. But, hey, we play against the Jets. They're in their home stadium. So I'm sitting on the bench, Anthony Wright. We know the name, Anthony. I played quarterback with Dallas and also he played with the Baltimore Ravens. We're sitting on the bench and, you know, we're just talking and chopping it up or whatever. And. And all of a sudden, the punter gets hurt. So you know Thanksgiving time, they sucker the rookies into going and buy the turkeys and all that great stuff. So A. Wright sits next to me, and he bumps me with the elbow. He says, Stu, you got to go in and punt. I said, what are you talking about? I said, I'm serious. He said, the punter got hurt. So I look up, and there's Brian Billick. He's like, Cordell, start warming up. I'm like, for what? He said, (laughs) to go in and punt. So my first punt is out of the end zone. Literally, I'm two inches away from the end zone. The ball's probably on maybe the four-yard line. So, you know, you have to. How'd you to be, like that feeling? Dude. <laughs> bro, I, I honestly, the respect went to another level. So I punted. I punted too quick because I was nervous. Yep. It was a line drive. It probably got no higher than maybe 20 feet off the ground. And you know that's not high. So it may have hit the 30 yard line and bumped. You know, maybe. Yeah. You know, but so Adelius Thomas comes up to me and said, Corral, man, you got to put it up in the air. At least let us know if you're going to do whatever. So, two punts later, I'm in the same position again. They're now like maybe on a 10-yard line. So I'm kind of in the middle. And Dion, before I go in, after hitting those line drives, he said, man, get your foot up in the air. So I get my foot up in the air into the wind. I punt a 50-yard punt. It literally lands on the 50-yard line. A spiral. I didn't even feel it come off my foot. That's when it's the really good punts, right? Yeah, Yeah, the smile. And so all of a sudden, we get back. We go to meetings on Monday. You know, we chopping it up. Wednesday come around. Oh, Coach Brian Bailey looks at the list and he kind of bats his eyes a little bit and shakes his head. He's saying, hey, and special teams player of the week, AFC special (laughs) team player of the week, Cordell Stewart, and everybody's like, Everybody down there passed out wait, in the Wait, wait, the room. team special teams player of the week? or the AFC? Conference.
5: AFC, AFC conference. special conference. teams Not player
6: of the week, Mitch. I never want an AFC special teams player of the week. Bruh, I want about <laughs> 50, want about 50 NFC, of, but but no AFC. You know what it points out? Anybody can be a punter. That's my takeaway. That is what it points out. And, and if any, any, anybody was going to make that comment, it would be you to me.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a tradition oh, it. unlike any other. You're going to a golf course. Mitch, we're going to miss you. This feels like the end of our broadcast week.
6: You're the closer every year at the Super Bowl. I am the closer, and I'll close with this.
2: Good night. Drop the mic. There goes Mitch Berger. <laughs> allow me to shake Thank your hand. You, Thank you, man. Thank, Thank you, Always oh, a pleasure. That's my Safe travels. Right That's it. our friend, the only punter we allow on the hey. show.
0: Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in. Your everything audio app.